0: The previous Mishnah listed a number of examples of things which a person says, or ways in which a person behaves, which suggests that he is considered to be an apikouris. Or at least similar to an apikouris, who is somebody who does not believe in all of the basic principles of belief in Hashem, and in the Torah, and the Torah being given by Hashem and other basic principles which will be developed in this Mishnah as we are going to see now. who says, People who have it good should bless you, Hashem. So implying righteous people or wealthy people, people who seem to be having a very good and easy life, they should praise you, Hashem. That is considered to be the way of apicursim. It is considered heretical. Since the truth is, everybody should bless Hashem, everybody should praise Hashem, and everybody can. Even those who have difficulties, even those who are not necessarily so righteous, they certainly have equal right to bless and praise Hashem. Next example, Your mercy, Hashem, reaches the nest of the bird. What does that mean? So this person is referring to the mitzvah of of sending away the mother bird if somebody wants to take her eggs. So the mitzvah says that first he should shoo away the mother bird, and this person is suggesting that the whole reason why Hashem commanded us to send away the mother bird is because of compassion on the mother bird. We need to be moral and compassionate people, and that is the only reason why Hashem told us to do that. There is no other deeper reason, and that is why Hashem told us to do it. Again, that is considered to be heretical, because although it is certainly true that Hashem has infinite mercy and compassion on every being, but to limit Hashem's command to that is considered against basic beliefs that we can't understand why Hashem commands things. It is beyond us. Perhaps that is per- uh, sort of a hint and part of the larger reason. But at the, end, at the end of the day, the reason why we fulfill that mitzvah is not because of our mercy, but it's because Hashem told us to do that mitzvah. Secondly, If somebody says, For the good, your name should be remembered, Hashem. Again, that's heretical, because everything Hashem does is good. The Mishnah Brachos says that even things which appear to be bad, one needs to bless Hashem for that as well. All right, and thirdly, If somebody says twice during Shemona Esrei, in all of these three cases, we silence him, and the reason in the last case is because it implies that he is thanking and attributing powers to more than one power, to somebody other than Hashem chas And because of that, in all of these cases, one who hears this needs to silence the person who says it because of the heresy which is contained therein. Alright, tamachane one who interprets the prohibitions regarding forbidden relationships not literally. So, when the Torah commands one not to have marital relations with particular relatives, so he interprets it as not shaming them, for example. And he says that that is the literal translation. So, in that case as well, Meshaltkenoiso, we silence him. That implies that it is forbidden, that it is permitted to have relations with that person. And finally, Ha'imur, one who says, the, that the explanation of the Passock, which says that you should not give from your children to pass through the Melech. Melech was a particular Avodah Zarah, a particular worship of idolatry where they would pass children through fire. And the punishment for that is Choreis, a very severe punishment from Hashem, where he is, so to speak, cut off from Hashem in some way. But this person, instead of interpreting this posseg literally, interprets it as follows. (laughs) That from among your children you should not give to make a Aramean woman, a non-Jewish woman from the nation of Aram, to make her pregnant meaning he interprets the posuk as prohibiting one to marry off their children to a non-Jewish woman. Now, certainly this is forbidden. However, there is no punishment of koreis for such an aveirah, and so by this person interpreting this posuk and saying that its meaning is only this, so he is effectively saying that there is no koreis for the aveirah of passing one's children through the Savodah of, of Melech, and there is koreis for marrying off one's child to a non-Jewish woman. That is a total distortion of the truth of Torah. And therefore, we silence him bin a zifa, fiercely, and we rebuke him, because this is totally misinterpreting Torah from its simple meaning. The last mission of the Mesechda returns to the subject, not quite the main, main subject of the Mesechda, the Megillah itself, but to the subject of Kriyasa Torah and reading the Haf And the focus is different parts of Tanakh which for whatever reason are not necessarily to be read in public in shul, or perhaps they are to be read, but not translated, for whatever reason as we are going to see, or some which are indeed read and translated, despite what I might have thought that it should not necessarily be read and translated, as we are going to see now. Maisa Ruvain, the story of Ruven in Parashas Vayishlach, where it says that Ruven went and had relations with Bilha, who was one of Yaakov's wives, the Gemara explains that this is certainly not literal, that Ruvain, the incredible Tzaddik, violated such an Avera of having relations with his father's wife, rather it means that he caused it that Yaakov would have relations with his mother Leah instead of Bilhar, something much much smaller which on Ruvain's level was perhaps considered to be as severe as the Aveira of having relations with his father's wife on some level. However, because everybody comes to shul and everybody hears the Kriyasa the more ignorant people there might understand this literally, especially since the Maturgamon, the translator, would generally translate things in the literal way. And because of that, says the Mishnah Maise Ruvain, the story of Ruven, Nikra of is read as part of Kriyasa we don't skip that part out. However, it is not translated, and therefore those who are too ignorant to understand the Loshna Nachodesh, the Hebrew of the Torah, so they won't even understand what the Torah said, and that won't cause any problems of them interpreting this literally. Maistar Tomar, the story of Yehuda and Tomar in Parashas Vayeshev, where Yehuda had relations with his daughter-in-law Tomar. Nikra that is read, umitari and is translated. Since at the end of the story, Yehuda admitted to his sin, and there was a very much positive ending to the event, so there isn't this danger of misinterpretation by the ignorant people, and therefore it is translated, as well as being read. Maisa Egel Rishain: the first time the Torah talks about the sin of the Egel Zahov. Nick or game, it is read and translated. In fact, many Mephorishmen explain that it is a good thing to talk about this because when people are reminded of their sins, or their ancestors' sins, so it brings them to repent and to separate themselves from the sin. The Hasheni, however, the second time the Torah talks about the sin of the Igla Zohav, and this is when Moshe and Aaron are talking to each other, so this part of the Torah emphasises more Aaron Akhoyin's role in the story. And because of that Nikri of game, it is read, but not translated, in order to preserve the honour of Aaron Akhoyin. Berkash Karnim, the Pasha of Berkash Karnim in Parashas Nosai, and as well as that Maisa Dovid the Amnoin, the story in Sefer Shmuel about David and Amnoin. It's really the story of Amnoin, who was David's son. It's the story of his big sin. And since the Psukim talk about him being the son of David, so in order to preserve the honour of David, both these things, and are neither read nor translated. Now the truth is, many Mephorishim actually have a different version slightly of the Mishnah. And their version, is read, but not translated, because there's no part of the Torah itself which we skip over during Kriyasa Torah, but regarding to the Haft Torah, so we can decide which parts of Nach to use as a, as a Haft Torah. but the Kriyasa Torah, we never skip over a part of it. And so they learn that we do actually read the book as Koranim, but it is not translated. And the reason why it wouldn't be translated is because those who are ignorant won't understand the Pasukim, which imply that Hashem favours Kal Yisrael more than anybody else. They'll think that it's not fair, that Hashem favours us for no reason, not because we deserve it, and because of the misinterpretations which could result, it is not translated. Continues the Mishnah, Imaf Timba We do not use the part of Sefer Yechizkel, which talks about how Yechizkel went up to Shamayim. To the heaven in a chariot, a story which is totally difficult to understand and which only somebody on a very high level can understand. And because of that, we do not use it as a haftorah, so that people don't come to delve into it when they when they are not on the level to be able to understand it, and they might come with very wrong conclusions from learning this themselves. However, Rabbi Yehuda matter, Rabbi permits it because he is not concerned that people will come to do this. All right, and the Masech that ends off, Rebilliezer, remember says, We do not use the part of Yechezkel, which talks about the ruins of Yerushalayim and its desolate state. It is considered a lack of honor towards Yerushalayim and also towards the Jewish people, sort of quite a shameful thing. And therefore it is not used as a Haftira. according to Rebilliezer. Salik Masech Megila Megillah, the focus of Mseches Moed katan, a very short Msechta, only three parakim, is Chola moed. As its name suggests, Moed Kotan, or Chola Moed, is considered to be a sort of minor yomtev. On the one hand it's a moed, which is the word used for a yomtev. On the other hand it is a Moed Koton or a Chola because it has certain aspects of a regular weekday. Now, there is a huge debate among the Rishonim whether the prohibition to work on Cholomoyed is Midoi or midrabanon. However, according to everybody, when it comes down to the practical halacha, just like on Yom Tov is forbidden to perform work, all of the 39 malachas which are forbidden on Shabbos, except for those which have to do with food, are forbidden on Yom Tov. And everything which is forbidden on Yom Tov is also forbidden on Hamoed. However, there are certain exceptions which allow one to perform certain types of work on Cholomoyed. And that is a very important understanding and assumption which we have to make that it's not that everything is permitted on Hamoed, and then there are certain things which are forbidden. No! Hamoed is essentially a smaller Yom Tov. And so there are prohibitions of work. However, since it's only a minor Yom Tov, there are a number of categories which we will see throughout the Masechta, which would make that work permitted. Now, even according to those who say that the prohibition of working on a Cholmoyed is mid-e'reysa, the way that the Torah commanded it is that the Torah said that it is in the power of the chachamim to decide what should be forbidden. The purpose of all of the prohibitions is so that it is not treated as a regular weekday, rather people remember that it is considered to be a minor Yom Tov, and that the Yom Tov spirit be maintained. However, this is a unique Mid-Oi commandment, according to these Rishonim, that the Torah said that it is forbidden to work in any way that the Yabbonim and the Chachomim define as prohibited work on Cholamoyed. Now, the first exception, as it were, to the prohibition of working on, on Cholomoyed is called Dover HaOved. Something which would cause you a large loss if you don't perform that work. Such a thing is permitted on Cholomoyed. And because of that, the Mishnah gives an example now of Dover HaOved. Mashkin Beis HaShalochin It is permitted to water, to irrigate, to spread water around a field which is known as a Beis HaShalochin. Beis HaShalochin is a type of field which which needs not only the rainwater in order to survive, but it also requires man to water the field in order that it get enough water. By Mayed on Mayed, the reason why this is permitted is because if you weren't to water it, then the ground would become ruined, the crops might get ruined, and that damage would cause you a large loss of money. Now, going to see many of these Vishnayas also refer to shmita. Shmita is one year every seven years during which it is forbidden to work the land for the sake of p- crops. Now, mid raisa it's only forbidden to do the forms of work which are directly related with the crops themselves, to planting and harvesting. But things which only are there to keep the ground itself healthy, such as watering the ground, mid raisa that is permitted during shmita. However, in on it's generally forbidden. Nevertheless, in a case of a Dovraha ha'oved where it would cause a great loss not to work on the land, it is permitted, and therefore Also, during shmita, one would be able to water the field to avoid the great loss which would come as a result of not watering it. Now, even a davar ha'oved is not always permitted if it requires a great amount of effort and difficult work, so then it again goes against the spirit of Yom Tov, and even a Dovr HaOved would be forbidden. The Mishnah says that one is allowed to water the field whether it be from a spring of water, which has just now very recently sprung forth. The water has only just now begun coming out of the ground at this point, and so the sides of the spring of water are relatively weak, they haven't yet been strengthened, and we don't know how strong they are. And it's relatively likely that the strong force of the water from the spring might cause the walls next to the spring of water to collapse. And if they were to collapse, then the person would end up being forced to repair these walls However, the Mishnah says that one is still able to use such water on Cholomoyed because we are not concerned that the walls will collapse and he will come to repair them on Cholomoyed. Even if they do end up collapsing, we trust that he is not going to fix them on Cholomoyed itself because that would be forbidden, since it involves a large amount of effort. But since we're not concerned that he's going to do so, it is permitted to use that water to water the field. Whether it be from a spring of water which has not just recently started coming out of the ground, certainly there it would be permitted, because there the walls are stronger. However, says the Mishnah, one cannot water the field, even the field which you're talking about, with rainwater which has collected in some sort of pond. The reason being that the water in a pond, when the water goes down, and there isn't so much water in the pond, then the only way to access the water is by using a pail, like in a well, they would lower down the pail and get water like that, and then have to bring it up and take the pail and water the field. That way it would require a very large amount of effort. And so even in a case where the pond is full and one doesn't necessarily need to use a pail, and so it won't be so much effort, nevertheless it is still forbidden to use the pond of water in case you come to use it in a case where you need a pail. And on a similar note, one cannot use the water of a well, which again requires a pail, a bucket, in order to get that water and it requires lots of effort to draw the water and then to spread it across the field, And so because it requires a lot of effort, it is forbidden on Cholem Now that which the beginning of the Mishnah taught, ways in which it is permitted to spread water across the field, that would involve, for example, making small grooves in the ground with one's foot. It would make sort of small pathways in the ground to lead the water across the entire field. All right. Ends off the Mishnah. like a phonem, it is forbidden to dig ditches around the roots of vines in order that the water be collected there and they have sufficient water to survive on. Because again, that inc- that requires a lot of effort, and so it is forbidden on Cholamoyid. It should be noted that the concept, the the term used for this concept of having a lot of effort involved, is Tircham a large amount of. Difficulty and effort. Mishnah Beast, The Mishnah now gives more examples of tircham aruba, which is forbidden on chalamay. Rabbi Elazar ben Zarah says, "In oisanes ha'am bat chila, it is forbidden to start digging a canal of water." in a field damoyed on cholamayid, because this requires a large amount of effort. As well as that, the Mishnah makes reference to Shmita again with Ashavir And during Shmita as well it's forbidden. Not because it requires lots of effort, that makes no difference during Shmita. There's no reason to keep the Shmita atmosphere like a yomt of atmosphere, and the yomt of spirit of resting and not doing hard work. Rather, the reason when it comes to Shemitah is because digging a canal of water is similar to a process which was done in fields where they would dig the ground slightly and soften the ground in order to prepare it for planting. So since that is forbidden during Shemitah and digging a canal of water is very similar, the Medjabonon digging a canal is also forbidden during Shemitah. (laughs) However, the say it is permitted to dig a canal of water. To start with, during Shemitah, since according to them it does not look like this process of softening the ground. Because over here you're getting rid of all of the earth. You're digging a large ditch. The so people can t- t- see the difference very clearly, and therefore it is permitted. Now, though it's forbidden to start digging the ditch or the canal of water during Shmita, if it was already dug but it was blocked at a particular point, so that does not require tircham a large amount of burden and effort, and therefore satan in some call moyed it is permitted to fix the ones which are damaged or blocked up, even on chalamoyed, this is permitted. Now, the second half of this Mishnah goes on to another exception of things which are permitted on Cholomoyed. We've had Dover HaOved, and now we've got tzorch tzibur Things which are for community purposes and needs of the public, those are permitted during Cholomoyed. And so, It's permitted to fix large underground pits of water. In a public domain which have become damaged. This water was collected for people to be able to drink it. And if it was damaged, then it could be fixed on Chalamoyid. Perhaps to prevent dirt coming into the water. But Khitinaisan. you can also remove the dirt and stones which have fallen into the fallen into the water. And on a similar note, it's permitted to fix the roads and the streets on Chalamoyid Ves hamayim and any mikvah of water if it perhaps requires water to be added to it there is a minimum volume of water which is required for every mikveh 40 sa so if any of these public mikve have less than that amount of water, so there need to, needs to be water added to them, and that should be seen to on Cholomoyed, where people generally have more time anyway, so they can take care of public needs. They, and they can do any public needs, because since people are not working now, these things which are necessary to be done, are most likely to get done now. Alright, another couple of examples. It is permitted to mark graves with lime. They would pour lime onto graves in order to mark them very clearly, to signal to people that there is tuma over here. Somebody who comes in contact, or walks over even a grave, becomes Tome, and he will have lots of restrictions as, as a result, and also it's forbidden for a coin to become Tomei at all, and therefore they need to be marked, and this is also part of the public needs, and so it can be done on Cholomoyed, v'yotsin athala kilayim, and messengers can go out, even about kilayim. Kilayim refers to the prohibition of planting two different species together. Now the Mishnah of the Beginning of Meseches Shkolim says that in the middle of the month of Adar, the basin would send out messengers to search in the fields and to check if people had planted kilayim. This Mishnah is now telling us that also on Cholomoyd they'd go out and check, and if they found them then they would uproot the kilayim, or they might force the owners make the entire field ownerless or punish them in some other way. The point of the mission over here is to tell us that just like they went out in the middle of Adar, these messengers would also go out to check the fields on Cholamoyed. One of the reasons for this is because these messengers would need to be paid and since on Cholamoyed it's anyway forbidden for them to do other forms of work, So they would be willing to do this for lower wages. And since the wages of these people came from the public funds, which everybody was obligated to contribute towards, so it is better that the amount which they have to pay is less. Now, it should be noted that although we have seen many leniencies over here regarding tzorche rabbim, needs of the public, it is not so simple that anything which is for the sake of the public is permitted. According to many, it is only permitted if it is either a maisehedyet, a term which we'll come across a number of times. Maisehedyet means it's done in an unprofessional way. So either that, or if it is for the sake of yomtev, le yom tov then tzorche rabbim would be permitted. So either if it is a meisa an unprofessional way or method, or if it is a tzorche yontev, for the sake of yontev, only then would the tzorche rabbim, the things done for the need of the public, be permitted on cholamoyed.